Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. and currently directs the MFA in Creative Writing program at Goddard College. In 1987, he had a spiritual experience that left him clairvoyant. To expand his understanding of what he was experiencing, he studied a form of energy healing, and he worked with Marianne Williamson's uh, Manhattan Center for Living, and also in his own private practice. In the process, he began to hear for his clients, and much of his work now is as a clairaudient, clairvoyant channel and empath. His books are considered breakthrough works of channeled literature. They include I Am the Word, The Book of Love and Creation, The Book of Knowing and Worth, and now his new book, The Book of Mastery. This is book one of the Mastery Trilogy. Now, taken together, these books offer an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution. And I am delighted to have the opportunity to go, to go into it more deeply with the man himself. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Miriam. Thanks for having me. Paul, in your bio, you mention a spiritual experience that left you as a clairvoyant. Mm -hmm. But you also had psychic experiences as a child that you suppressed. Why did you decide to embrace your gifts in 1987? Well, I didn't know that I had gifts. I had a couple of experiences as a kid um, that were psychic experiences. In retrospect, they were, they were <laughs> remarkable. But I didn't have a context for it, and I didn't consider myself a psychic. And truthfully, I still struggle with that, even though I have a very healthy practice as an intuitive and empath. Um, I think what happened for me in 1987 was I began to experience for the first time physical phenomena. I had an experience of energy. I heard a voice. It wasn't a disembodied voice. It was a voice in my head that drowned out the other thoughts that gave me sound direction. And um, after this experience that I had, which was an energetic experience in 87, I was 25 years old and about less than a year, maybe out of, out of Yale, where I'd gone to graduate school, I was suddenly seeing little lights around people. And so I'd felt energy now, and I'd heard a voice uh, that was directive, and now I was seeing lights. And frankly, you know, when you have that kind of encounter with phenomena, it really does beg one to reframe what they thought the world was and how things worked. And for me, it was just catalytic. So it's not so much that I'd consciously suppressed anything. I didn't think there was really anything to suppress. I think that my sensitivity, which is what allows me to do my empathic work, I had perceived of as a detriment. You know, I didn't want to be so sensitive. My sensitivity helped me in my work in the arts. Um, it helped me in my work as a teacher when I began teaching. 
but it was not comfortable. And I, I didn't even know what an empath was, so I, I didn't understand that there were actually ways of accessing psychic information through sensitivity and skill. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to sort of achieve a level of confidence in what you were doing and experiencing? Well, I, it, it's ongoing, truthfully, and it's been 25 years in my case because I was a late bloomer, um, it's been a process of sort of acclimating to and accepting it. When I was younger, in my early 30s, and I'm in my, 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 my 54 now, um, when I was younger, it was exciting, and there was a level of, of, of almost, I would say, glamour that I could attach to the fact that I was having these experiences of feeling energy and seeing things. And I actually developed very, very quickly in my early 30s. Um, and I was highly sensitive and I was able to sort of feel what was going on in other people's bodies. And, you know, it was exciting. And then it diminished or I diminished it. I continued working. You know, truthfully, I was a very heavy smoker and I smoked a lot. And that was a wonderful way for me to suppress the utilization of my own central nervous system as a way to sort of field information and broadcast. And when I quit smoking, which was now maybe 11 years ago, my abilities improved radically. I was astonished at the level of change. And my guides, or whatever it is that I hear when I was doing these groups that I had been running very, very quietly out of my apartment for a decade or two, um, suddenly began lecturing. I began to get dictation in a really very different way. And it took me a while to begin to accept that this was happening and let alone trust it. I mean, fortunately, I was working with a group of people on a weekly basis. So I had an ongoing mirror for what was evolving. Um, but it really was an evolution. I don't think I showed up with this fully formed. And I think, and I think this is true for most of us, truly, I think a lot of us have these, abil uh, these abilities, but we, we haven't been taught that they, either they exist or that if they do exist, we have a right to them or that they can work with us. And so I, I believe fully that there are things that I am capable of doing or whatever works with me is capable of doing through me and everyone else is, it is as well um, that I haven't even begun to access yet because it still exists a bit beyond my frame of what I can conceive of as possible. And that seems to be the limiting factor. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite fascinating, your comment about smoking. I mean, when, when you think of the vicissitudes and the assaults of mm -hmm. everyday life on our health and well-being, mm -hmm. you wonder if we cleaned up our act, whether that would help raise the whole vibration and raise our sensitivity as a population? I think it's likely, you know, I, I was, I mean, I would do anything humanly possible to sort of keep a shield around myself. So I've used anything that man can use to sort of numb. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a challenge for me truly to be so open sometimes because as I continue to develop, I open up more and I feel more. Um, I think that there are times when we don't need to be all that open, and I think that there are times when it's perfectly fine. But do I do think that we're lowering our vibration collectively through how we interact with our environment? Certainly, that's one of the ways that I think we're, we're operating in limitation. Mm -hmm. There's no question.
Tell us about your process of channeling and your understanding of the beings who come through you to dictate the books. Well, you know, I call them the guides, and I only call them the guides because when I first started realizing that I could access information on demand, I had started off doing energy healing, and I was hearing for the clients that came to me when I had my hands on them, I would get information for them. It was, and it was usually just a phrase or an image or something very, very specific that the client would then verify or I would feel what was going on in their bodies and then have that be verified. But my ex at the time used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides that. Um, and so they became known as the guides out of sheer convenience. They've used um, the term or the title Ascended Masters in the first book and because perhaps because I was uncomfortable with the title because it seems to come with some baggage, I never really attached to it and I don't hear that used, truthfully, although I don't deny that that's the case. The level of consciousness, though, that they say that they're aligned to is Christ consciousness, whatever that is. They say it's a level of vibration and awareness of, of the divine present in all manifestation. And the one name that they've used consistently in teachings and on rare occasions is, is the name Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. And again, my challenge with this is that I think that there's an attachment that we can go into, and I can include myself here, of attaching importance to naming. And that seems to link more to, I would say, an egoic sense of needing it to be a certain thing. So in the new book, which surprised me, frankly, they say to the reader, if you want to call us something, you can call us this. And they use that name, Elchizedek, which is really a title. Um, and I accepted that they chose to do this. But when I was first coming into this work, I found that there was an attachment to names. So I've said, I've, I've, I've used this story before when I've described it, but you know, in the 1990s in New York City where I live, you know, there might be Gabriel channeling uptown and Archangel Michael in Brooklyn. And it was a <laughs> bit of a, it was a bit of a contest of who was higher. Exactly. And feeling has always been it's got to be about the teaching itself and the level of vibration that attends itself to the teaching. Everything else is 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 an attachment to to glamour. And I don't think this is about glamour at all. I think frankly truth is truth no matter what form it comes in for whatever reasons what comes through me is in this strange form that I may never fully understand. Uh -huh. So I think I answered part of your question perhaps not all of it. It's like I'll have my Ascended Master talk to your Ascended Master. Pretty much, which is silly, isn't it? Uh -huh. But I really like the way you question them and almost argue back and forth and challenge them. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know, I, I, I was talking to somebody the other day about this, and I, you know, there are different levels of being engaged in the work for me. I don't think that it actually impacts the result of what, the information is on the page, which has been amazingly consistent now over four books and countless, countless, countless hours of lectures that they've delivered. But, you know, I, I feel sometimes that when I'm channeling, I'm 
asleep in the corner of the room and sort of half listening, <laughs> focusing on something else. Other times I feel like I'm sort of watching from a ways beyond the doorway. And sometimes I feel like I'm standing in the doorway saying, okay, guys, explain this. I don't <laughs> well, get it. We'll get into the substance of it when we yeah. come back from this break. We're speaking with Paul Selig, author of I Am The Word and his current book, The Book of Mastery. Stay with us and we'll be back shortly. The future of internet radio is here. Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Join Elliot Jolish, the business therapist, each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern for the Elliot Jolish Hour as he interviews business experts on your behalf. And you're invited to email your business questions to questions at ecjgroup.com for answers live on air every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Elliot Jolish Hour. Hello, I'm Sandy Sedgbeer host of the Inspired Parenting Radio Show, where every week we bring you empowering information from the diverse fields of conscious parenting, education, neuroscience, consciousness, health, and metaphysics to support you in nurturing the best in your children. So if you're interested in understanding what shapes your children's minds, spirits, and hearts, join me every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and prepare to be inspired. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. We are back speaking with Paul Selig about the Book of Mastery. Paul, before we uh, get into it, can you tell us what website people can go to to connect with you? Sure, it's my name. It's uh, www.paulselig.com. Very good. Now, just before the break, um, we were talking about getting into the content mm -hmm. of the books. And, and the books, you've child, have messages that seem to build on each other. Yeah. I, I get the impression that they're always spiraling back around and repeating the same message, but at a higher level. Is mm -hmm. that a reasonable understanding? I think it is. I think that what's been surprising to me about the teachings is how consistent they are. And I've noticed that they'll introduce a teaching. For example, in the first book, I Am the Word, they introduce the teaching of frames as an idea, but they don't unpack it and really explain it until the Book of Knowing and Worth, which was, you know, two books later. 
their teaching has always been about the realization of mankind's or humankind's innate divinity in form. And they're initially what I assumed was an idea, you know, the realization of the divine self as a concept. I could get behind that, but they've been insistent about this, that it actually is an occurrence, something that really happens that is a fundamental change in how we know ourselves and how we re I want to say reinvest or reclaim the landscapes that we exist in, which is the world we share. So I think spiraling is a good idea because they're always managing to sort of catch a new reader up to their teachings without diminishing the new information that they bring through. And so it's one of the things for me about the texts because, you know, the, the books are not written. I literally sit in a chair, close my eyes there's a woman on the phone in Berkeley, California. I'm in New York City. And the books are dictated. And it's the unedited transcripts of those dictation sessions that are the published manuscripts of the books. So the fact that they're as consistent as they are and progressive as they are continues to be sort of part of the head scratcher for me because it really is ongoing. It's an ongoing teaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Dear old New York City. Wow. You can hear it in the background. <laughs> um, I, I kind of uh, struggled mm -hmm. with the understanding of their phrase, I am word. Mm -hmm. how, how do you understand it or how do you explain it? I know how they've defined it. I, I can't say that I don't struggle with it either, but their definition of the word is the energy of the creator in action. So that's how they've defined it from the beginning. And I think that other terms that probably coincide would be logos, um, you know, divine principle, I think would be other ways of thinking about this. They use language in interesting ways. And, you know, I was raised pretty much an atheist, so I didn't come with this stuff or much of it. Um, but their definition of Christ, which is a term that they use, and they've defined it explicitly as the, um, the aspect of the creator that can be realized in material form, you know, as and through us, each of us. So the word, I feel, is the presence of this in an active way and form. But, you know, this is important to understand about the books the books correlate with energy. The guides say that the books themselves are actually energetic transmissions that work with the reader. Um, and I think the energy of the word is what's informing this. And if you read the reviews on Amazon, and they're interesting, and they're, they're pretty consistent, there's hundreds of them now. People are saying, you know, I'm reading the book and my body is vibrating. I'm reading the book and I'm seeing energy fields. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how many people have claimed these sort of full-out experiences while, while engaging with the text. So the words that they use seem to be in order to correlate to frequency. And the attunements that are in all of the books are actually attunements through language to vibration um, and to different levels of consciousness. What I find interesting is the resonance with um, various uh, 
holy books of different traditions. Uh -huh. So, for example, um, I am I am word resonates with in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Yes. And in in the uh, in the Old Testament, uh, mm -hmm. and God spoke the words and and um, you know let there be light. Mm -hmm. So it really does make a, a certain visceral sense that um, embodying the, the, the conceptualization of a thought mm -hmm. is how, you, through, through vibration, is how you bring it into manifestation. That's very well said. I would agree completely. That's what they're doing. Um, you, you deal with some of the big questions of life, like what is the goal of life? And one of the things that I liked that the gods answer that the guides answered was that the goal of life is not necessarily to achieve happiness, but it is to realize your own worth manifested as you. Now that's a real biggie. Can you kind of explain that for us? Well, I, you know, I don't remember the teaching. I mean, they've talked, they've, they've said on many occasions, this is school and we're here to learn. They've said repeatedly that we're here to realize ourselves as our true selves. And their claim is that the true self they would equate as the divine self or the infinite self or, you know, the, the, the divine principle, the truth of who we are, the infinite truth of who we are as exists outside or beyond would be a better word, personality. So they say again and again that we've actually misidentified ourselves as this personality structure. And the divine self, which seeks realization as and through us, is what's asking or come to be reborn, recreated, whatever words you want to use through us. So the idea of sort of being the full self is, it seems to be the key here. But one of their important teachings has been, and this was the book of Knowing and Worth, which was the third book of, of the series, was that essentially we've been taught to believe that we're unworthy of this. And we can only claim anything, anything at all that we believe ourselves to be worthy of. And worth, they would say, I suppose, coincides with alignment. You see, if I'm not worthy of something in my own estimation, I'm not in alignment with it. If I'm not in alignment with it, I'm essentially not in congruence with it or in vibratory accord with. So the claim of worthiness of the divine self, which is still a big one for me, truthfully, outside of all the evidence that I've received, which has been a lot, um, I'm still a student of this, you know, is, is a key here. When we know ourselves to be worthy of a relationship with the divine, we can allow ourselves to, to claim that as our birthright, not as something special or unique, but as what we're entitled to because we are of the source that we come from. I mean, this, this is my language, and I'm doing my best to interpret the guide's teaching, and I don't always do a great job. <laughs> Um, they speak in very specific ways about this, but they just—I just heard "well said," so I guess I got it close enough. So that's from them. 
it's nice to have your little cheering section behind you. <laughs> it helps, I'll tell you. <laughs> Do they help you in everyday life as well? Yes and no. I think um, I'd love them to do much more. You know, I would be thrilled. I have all. I have a long list of things um, <laughs> that I'd love them to take on. So you know, and maybe maybe just saying it in this forum, it'll I'll get some of it. But I'll tell you what they're very good with. You see, I I don't get. It's very hard for me to read for myself. I'm a very good. I have a very healthy practice as a psychic, and I have a you know many clients, and I can read for them because I can be neutral to their, their problems or their needs or their challenges, and I can hear for them in a conscious and, and empathic way, but in a way that's not invested in outcome. For myself, I can still get invested in outcome. But what, they, what I am able to do with myself is get real counsel in the moment. And in the moment is about usually not making choices based in fear. So that's when I actually hear, not wise. I mean, I've often said, if I say to the guides, would this be the, a good time to cross the busy street and like walk into traffic? Um, I might hear not wise, which means that wouldn't be a wise decision. But essentially, they leave it up to me. And I think that that's an important part of what comes through me. This is really not about an abnegation of will. So I don't get told what to do in that way. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm counseled, I think, not to take actions based in fear because one of their big, big teachings is when you take an action based in fear, you get more fear. Mm. And I've looked at my life and I found that to be true every time. Every time I take an action based in fear, I call, fear, I call more fear to me. And, and I don't want that anymore. So that I get. And that's always present. And other stuff too, but yeah. This brings up something I wanted to explore because as an empath, you pick up on the feelings of other people. And I was wondering sure. if you can also pick on the feelings of a group or, or even of the planet. Well, you know, I probably could and I haven't tried. Truthfully, it, it just doesn't occur to me to do that. When I tune into, I can tune in, you know, for clients, I can tune into a structure at, at a business and feel the frequency of the structure. But if I really want to get into how things work, I would probably go to the players to see what's being sort of claimed. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a lot of my practice is really as, as a medium for the living. Um, so, In terms of sort of stepping into a group structure, truthfully, I just haven't tried it. But one of the things that the guides are teaching now more and more and more is that I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with the idea of collective structures. Um, and the guides are sort of talking about groupthink and how we're all participatory to the landscape that we exist in. I mean, the Book of Mastery is getting to that, but boy, the teachings that they've been bringing through in the last four or five months since that book ended. Um, okay, well, let's, let's uh, explore that a little more in the next part. We are speaking with Paul Selig about the Book of Mastery. You won't miss the next part, so stay with us. Bringing you the best of the conscious minds in the world. Om Times Radio, your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Are you trying to get from point A to point B and need a little advice? 
Connect with the counselors at Om Times Advisors. Whether you're looking for a life coach or a spiritual intuitive, the advisors participating at advisors.omtimes.com were carefully chosen based on their gifts, skills, and professionalism. Om Times Advisors, connecting you with the best advisors in the business. Do you want to be a better communicator? Do you want to better connect with the important people in your life? Do you want to enrich your relationships? If so, join me, Matthew Cooper, on the Positive Control System Show every Wednesday evening at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Ohm Times Radio. I'll meet you there. Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth Radio is conscious living for your soul every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Host your show on IOM FM, the radio network of Ohm Times Media, one of the more recognized brand names in the conscious community, and is backed by the extensive marketing reach of Ohm Times. Hosting a show on IOM FM immediately connects you with our extensive, dedicated community. Your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Paul, so we were talking about this uh, shift in your own work into exploring the collective consciousness. And I'm wondering whether that is part of the phenomenon that we're seeing of what I would call a, an awakening of consciousness. Absolutely. I think, you know, that this is what I'm hearing. I mean, I think that we're all waking up and there's also a fair amount of resistance to that happening, which we're contending with. I know that I'm experiencing it in my own development, you know, the, the part of me that says, don't go there, you know, don't go higher, um, is always present. You know, it's one of the teachings in the new book, the guides say, you know, there's going to be an aspect of you that's going to try to call you back you know, and go back to the known, go back to what you've known as a way of, of maintaining safety. But I think that the status quo that we've all been expressing through sharing existing is really isn't working anymore. So they do say that this is happening now. It's happened. Everybody's waking up and they say one person wakes up, they wake a thousand more up. I mean, I don't know necessarily what it means to be awake except perhaps to be in an awareness of one's own divinity. But they say again and again that you can't be aware of this within yourself and withhold it from anybody else. I mean, one of the simplest teachings that they've given again and again is that you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. And I mean, it's a very old teaching. This is just the way that they say it, and I find that to be true. So the collective agreements, you see, you know, this whole idea of, you know, we create our own reality, I think we can be somewhat narcissistic about this at times, you know, and frankly, we're all contributing to, to, to larger structures of collective agreement about what is so and what can be so. Mm 
And as we wake up to who we are, we have to look at how we're investing in in everything that's been built. I mean, because something has been there and has been a structure for a thousand years doesn't necessarily mean that it's an alignment to a high vibration or aligned to truth. And I think what's happening now is we're questioning some of that in a positive way. Well, that goes back to the notion of fear that you mentioned earlier. You got it. Yeah, I mean, they've said, you know, if it's been, this is what they've said. You know, they said everything that's been created in fear needs, needs to be recreated in a higher way. And they have said that, you know, mankind or humankind is, is at a time of reckoning. And they say what a reckoning is, and this is their definition, is a facing of oneself and one's own creations. And this is happening individually and collectively. And they're saying if it was created in fear, it really can't exist at the higher level of vibration. It needs to be either released or, or lifted or transformed in some way. Mm-hmm. Tell us about um, the new information that's coming through that, that picks up from where the Book of Mastery left off, because you talk about it as being the first book in a trilogy. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I'm almost not in a position to try to paraphrase it yet, because what's been happening, this is what happens with, with these books. You know, I do workshops all over the place, and the guides will start delivering a new teaching in the workshop and sort of work it out, you know, and new attunements to frequency. And I do live streams on Wednesday night. There's a new series starting on January 5th. And this is the place they're always delivering new teachings. Mm -hmm. And they do this in preparation for whatever's to come. And the next book I've agreed to start sessions on in February. What they've been teaching is about the recreation of the physical plane. But they're also talking about this in relationship to how we realize ourselves as physical beings. They say that to a certain extent, we're still operating in this duality of spirit and form which we believe that spirit operates separately from form. And consequently, we've separated our own ability to transform the material realm by agreeing in this kind of separation. So they've been working on on physical manifestation of who we are in order, as I understand it, to be able to support the lifting of the landscape. And this is the best that I can describe it right now. It's a little trippy for me, and I, I have to say I'm challenged by it, um, there are many lectures about this that are already up on the website in, in, you know, from the downloads from the last two, two or three series of live streams. And I'm just getting used to it. I get it. Now, on a very simple level, I think this can be understood by how we witness anything informs what that thing is. But the guides actually say it informs it on a level of manifestation. And how we lift ourselves to a higher level of vibration informs our conscious perception. As the divine self, they would say the true self or the divine self, bears witness to its landscape, it lifts the landscape to its true nature. 
And they say God is everything, or what you can call God, this the force that permeates everything, is present in all things. But as we operate with a sense of our own realization as this level of frequency, we're able to essentially lift what we see to it because what we're witnessing then is the truth of what something is or the truth of who someone else is, is the same, same idea. Mm -hmm. Well, there certainly were lots of breadcrumbs to that um, uh, idea in the current book. Uh -huh. uh, I'm going back to the notion of our being here to learn lessons. It's... Mm. It's not, I don't understand it as being that, you know, we have a curriculum like going to high school or university where you, you get a pass or, or fail mm -hmm. grade. Um, I, I really uh, kind of see us as the, the eyes, ears, and hands of God. We, and and wow. as we experience and create new uh, understandings and new manifestations, we are literally expanding the universe. I, I would disagree. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, I think that when they're saying we're here to learn, they do say that, you know, we come into a lifetime with, with different things that we want to address and we create the circumstances in order to learn what we've come for. And that the personality self may be kicking and screaming and that the higher self or the true self may be saying, oh, how wonderful, what a great opportunity. When I was doing the dictation for, for Book of Mastery, I had gone through a real challenging series of events, um, many of which really challenged my own sense of, of, of what I would say safety. And the lesson that I got very, very clearly through it was, you know, the true self or the divine self doesn't know fear. The true self or the divine self is never afraid because it doesn't correlate with that level of, of consciousness. And also, you know, the divine self cannot be persecuted, which was a trip and a half for me. It's a very simple concept. But the true self can't be persecuted. The, the, the personality self can. I suppose we could say the body can, you know. And I mm -hmm. went through this in a period where I was actually... I had a, a very bad back and I was unable to walk for a couple of months and I was in a lot of pain and, you know, not able to take medication for it. So it was a really interesting period. So I, I don't know. I think that we are here to expand and to be, to be at this level of consciousness. And I, I completely agree that it's the divine seeking its expression as and through us in all ways. Well, maybe we're just here to learn how to be better creators. Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember that bit about manifestation, and um, it keeps on circling back to fear. Mm -hmm. It keeps on circling back to your own notions of limitation. Yeah. And what, what he was saying about, or they were saying about climbing back down the mountain away from uh -huh. the lions and tigers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a part of it, you know, for me, every time, every time I take a step forward in my own awareness, and frankly, in my case, my, my, the abilities that have come, that I'm able to work with now have come through, I think, an attention to spiritual growth. I don't know if it's a byproduct of it. It didn't come 
you know, I, you know, I don't know how to read somebody's lucky numbers. It's not the work that I'm here for. But every step has, every significant step has often been accompanied, at least in my case, by having to move through or beyond a real level of discomfort and often some fear. You know, it's really stepping into the unknown. In the last few months, I've actually left all of my academic jobs um, in order to do this work. And, you know, I've had a lovely career and a very happy one, truthfully, in academia for 25, 26 years, you know, teaching college and, and running a graduate program. And it's work that I, I cared about, but this got big. And so I'm in a very new place, but every time I step forward in terms of my awareness, I often counter whatever circumstances that will say, don't go any farther, mm -hmm. you know. It's not safe, you know, and they say fear calls you back to the base of the mountain, you know, that we're, we're here, to, we're here to, to rise on. Well, the, the name of the book is the book of mastery. So yeah. presumably they are grooming uh, you and the readers toward mastery. What do they mean by mastery? I'm going to ask them to define it now. I mean, they've said in the past that it's around... It really does connect with the ability to to transform matter, to claim anew in the material realm. But I'm going to see how they want to. Well, Paul, it. we're going to be going to uh, to a break just okay. at at quarter two. So if we could ask them to be patient until we come back from the break. Okay. Uh, but explain what the process is of your channeling. The process is when I hear, I whisper the words as they come and I repeat them, so people hear things twice. It's not the most elegant way of working, but it's how it works through me. Um, when I'm channeling directly, which happens, it's usually in a group setting when the energy is at a very, very high pitch. And then at that point, I'm, I'm extremely receded. Um, you know, mostly I say I'm in the back seat of the car letting the guides drive. Sometimes <laughs> I'm hanging over the front seat saying, don't hit the tree. <laughs> and other times I'm back in the trunk asleep. So... That's the difference. <laughs> okay. Well, my goodness. Okay, we are speaking with Paul Selig, Selig, the author of the Book of Mastery. And we will be back with our final segment right after these messages. The best of the holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Aliyah, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. 
Matt Connerton here. Join Jen Coffee and I twice a week for Matt Connerton Unleashed, a political talk show that's a little different than what you're used to. No liberal or conservative agenda here, just an honest dialogue about truth and how things really work in the world of politics. Matt Connerton Unleashed, every Tuesday and Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. The best of holistic, spiritual, and conscious world. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. And we are back with Paul Selig, and um, we are uh, hoping that he can invite through his guides uh, so you'll get a first-hand experience of uh, the, the profundity, really, of their messages. Paul, over to you. Well, you know, I mean, I think whenever somebody asks a question of me in an interview that I can't answer myself, I often revert to them. And I think that's what I was doing when you said, you know, what is mastery? So I'll see if I can get something. We'd like to say this. And they're saying we would like to say this, what you are, what you are, what you are, what you think you are, what you think you are as a small self, is a small self, the divine self as you, the divine self as you, seeking expression as you, seeking expression as you, knows who he is, knows who he is, knows who she is, knows who she is, the divine self is the master of her being, and the divine self is the master of her being, is the master of her being, and her expression on this plane, and her expression on this plane, the infinite self. The infinite self in broadcast, in broadcast, has the ability, has the ability to transform matter, has the ability to transform matter, how you perceive yourselves, how you perceive yourselves as separate from your source, as separate from your source, contributes to the dilemma you have now, contributes to the dilemma you have now, as you realize your true nature, as you realize your true nature, what you claim will be in agreement with it, what you claim will be in agreement with it, in agreement with it, to be in agreement with the true nature, to be in agreement with the true nature, to of the true nature of the true nature of what you are of what you are means you see the divine means you see the divine in activation in activation in the material realm in the material realm the recognition of this the recognition of this is what calls into being is what calls into being the new light the new light or heaven on earth if you wish or heaven on earth if you wish to use that term to use that term the divine self knows who he is the divine self knows who she who he is who she is who she is and will be expressed as you, and will be expressed as you, period. And they're saying, period. <laughs> so that's the, uh, that's the description. I mean, I'll say this, because, you know, when they throw out these terms like heaven on earth, I, I get anxious. But they've been teaching this thing called the kingdom for a while. And the kingdom, they say, is the awareness of the divine in all manifestation, that that's it. It's a level of consciousness and agreement. It's not some other place you go to. It's a level of alignment to, to the true nature of reality, they would say, beyond what we've chosen to agree to be known through in, in, in a limited way. Well, they talk about our ability to transform matter, which mm -hmm. sounds a bit woo-woo, but when you yeah. think about it a bit, I mean, everything that we see around us has been matter transformed by some human being. Exactly right. You know, everything that you see, I mean, there's a really interesting example, I think it's in the new book, 
where they say, I mean, because I had a lot of questions about this stuff, and I suppose I still do, but they said, you know, somebody's standing in a field, and a car drives by, and then another person stands there and witnesses with them, and it's decided that you've just, you, you're, you're standing on a road, and suddenly there's a thoroughfare, and suddenly there's traffic. But essentially, all it was was one person passing another, you see, and suddenly something gets created or manifested in form. I mean, I think on that level, it's a very simple illustration. What I'm understanding from them, though, is how we witness anything and the level of sort of energetic agreement that we witness with actually informs what we see. I mean, I don't read physics. I, I, I actually don't read other channeled work. I, I don't read much of anything at this point because I'm trying to keep what comes through me clear and sort of uninformed mm -hmm. by other stuff. And I, I feel like that's a loss for me personally. But it's been my choice. And, and you know, I buy all the books and I just don't read them. <laughs> but what I hear is that, you know, how I, I hear this is, a, this is a teaching in physics. I mean, how you witness something impacts the subject. No, it's the observer effect in quantum that's mechanics. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. But they're talking about the one who sees comes to what he or she sees with a level of consciousness. If the level of consciousness that you're activated as or in alignment with is an awareness of its true divine nature, you can witness the divine in what you see before you and change it, transform it, lift it to its true, to its true essence. Well, I suppose that if you accept these teachings and accept your connection to your divine self, to the divine source, then the fears and the limitations kind of are thinned out or, you know, hopefully will fall away so that you can actually express yourself in the world with a greater clarity and a greater ability um, to, to manifest without the restraints or constraints mm -hmm. of our upbringing and our fears and our limitations and our political correctness or whatever. It's very well said. I completely agree. And that's very much in alignment with what they've been teaching. Hmm. So um, it, it's interesting that you've left academia. Mm -hmm. did, did you experience any kickback in academia from your extracurricular activities? Less than I would have expected. You know, I, you know truthfully, I, I had taught at NYU for 25 years and, you know, I was very quiet about this work there. Um, and, you know, everybody knew, you know, is what I found out, and nobody was terribly upset. So, no, I actually didn't, re I, I actually, it's extraordinarily little. I mean, occasionally, you know, I, I think it could be used if somebody wanted to. I mean, it's an easy thing to be skeptical about, certainly. And I, I actually don't think that there's anything wrong with skepticism. It can be very healthy. I mean, I'm in this very interesting position because the work that I do in my groups and, you know, privately comes with phenomena. I mean, you can feel the energy when it comes through. The whole room can feel it. You know, they'll get people working with the energy. So I've had these things that have allowed me to suspend some of that. I mean, I'm not a good new ager. You know, I came from the show me school and I need to feel it, see it, hear it, something. And that's how I'm worked with. But... 
No, you know, my choice to leave, and funnily enough, I miss it some days. You know, I, I love teaching college. It was, it was a good thing for me. But I just couldn't do the travel that I'm doing, um, mm-hmm. you know, and keep that up. It wasn't fair to anybody. Sure. Uh, so where do you think that um, we are going as a planet? Are we... Um, do you get any glimmerings from the guide? Uh, they talk about uh, the the transformation or the ascension. Um, is this something that is inevitable or still a matter of choice and up for uh, in play? I still I think that there's always choice. I mean, there was a point, and I think it was in the in the in the dictation of the new book where I got this very strong message of, you did it, you did it. I mean, we did it, we did it, all of us. You're going to make it, you know. And That's encouraging. Like, oh, thank God, you know. <laughs> um, that really was a strong sense. And I've only gotten that kind of sort of celebratory take out of the blue once before. And that was when the energy of the word, which they've been working with in groups for about 10 years, and they said, it's here, it's here, it's here, it can be worked with now. And then suddenly the attunements happened in a moment. People would just do the attunements and bang, they were like lighting up like, like lanterns. It was amazing. Tell us about the attunements. These happen in your group sessions, yes? They're, 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 yeah, the books themselves are attunements too, which is the interesting thing. I mean, they say that I can only be in one place, but the books can reach anybody. And the books are actually attunements to the energy, but there are three of them. Um, in I Am the Word, there's the attunement to the Word energy, and um, there's the claim of incarnation. I know who I am. I know what I am. I know how I serve, which is in the book of the book of Knowing and Worth, and sort of the the divine self expressing itself as you, or however they would want to say it, or the claim of mastery. I am here, um, is in the third book. Now, it sounds just like language when you say it, but when you work with it, it actually correlates to energy. Um, so everybody can sort of feel it. So people are having these experiences with the books themselves. They're having them in the live streams. They're certainly having them in the workshops. Um, but the guides essentially say, you know, we're all radios and we're always in broadcast. And what they're doing is essentially helping us to play a higher bandwidth um, or a higher frequency than we were, were getting before. It's not that the frequency wasn't always there. We just weren't attuning to it. Mm-hmm. So they're supporting us in that attunement so we can be in and as the frequency and work with it in a conscious way. There are sections in your book where the guides say, well, here we go. Yep. Um, it, are those sections meant to be read out loud by the reader? I get a head, you know, I'm getting a head shake. No, I think it's not a bad thing to do. When I first started getting the word stuff, I actually heard to get the Jerusalem, but I didn't know what it was. I kept hearing Jerusalem Bible. I finally went and found out that there was such a thing and I took it home. I said, what do I do? And I heard read John aloud, which was in the beginning was the word. Mm-hmm. So for all I know, there was an energetic attunement then. But, um, and I think reading it aloud can be very powerful. And I know many people do. I don't know that it's essential. Mm-hmm. Well, my goodness, this has been absolutely fascinating. And um, <clears throat> I uh, would, would you say that people can just jump into the Book of Mastery, or do they need to read the other two first? 
No, I mean, the guides say, you know, they take time at the top of the Book of Mastery really to bring the reader up to, up to speed. They're very mm-hmm. careful with this. So I think having a foundation and the prior books will, will, might make it more comfortable. But mm-hmm. no, I don't think it's a requirement. They've said explicitly in the new book that it's not. They say it's a big one-room schoolhouse, and they're teaching everybody <laughs> at the level that they come to the teachings with. And I exactly, it, it, it depends on what you bring to it, what your level of of um, understanding will be, and also you can circle back. Well, Paul, that brings us uh, to the end of our session today, and I'm I'm delighted you were oh. able to join us. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it too. We've been speaking with Paul Selig about his book, The Book of Mastery. Please visit my website, New Consciousness Review at ncreview.com. Have a wonderful year. Have a wonderful week. Many blessings. Thank you for listening.